Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Wonderful. Wonderful. There we go. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to City Collective. If this is your first time here with us, thanks for taking the time to be with us here this morning. Uh, Wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, we like to say that you are welcome here and that this is a safe place for you to get to know some great people, have some, maybe I'm biased, but pretty good coffee, even though I'm not a coffee drinker. I've been told by people who are coffee drinkers it's pretty good coffee. So, I hope that you've had that. Yes, there we go. There, that's, that's enough for me to know that I'm telling the truth, right? That's one hand clap. Um, <laughs> lots to be thankful for. Lots to look forward to. Um, and I just hope that you've had an opportunity to get to know some people here this morning. And we are in the middle of, well, in the middle of February, first of all, um, which is a wonderful time of year. And for more reasons than not, it just means that we're through January. And... <laughs> And January felt a little bit crazy for 2020, if, if I'm being honest. And it crazy in wonderful ways, in, in difficult ways, in new ways. It, it was just a lot going on in the course of the month. And we, at City Collective, we were having a conversation around the idea of mental health. And specifically looking at the idea of loneliness and how that um, impacts the way that we experience God, life, family, relationships, and what we can learn along the way. And so it was uh, an important conversation. I believe the church is one of those places that needs to be talking about mental health more. And, and it's interesting, uh, stepping into this conversation today about love on the brain and this idea of, of relationships and love, and it, it feels very much like we could have just done part five of this lonely series and, and kicked right into that because there has a lot to do with our mental health when it comes to relationships as well. But this is what we're talking about today. Love on the brain. Uh, you can see the logo. I think it's fun. And there's a big brain on the screen. So I like to state the obvious sometimes when I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say next. So... <laughs> uh, we're going to jump right into the scripture. Uh, I'm going to read a couple different ones, and then we're going to continue forward. Uh, we're going to start off in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. Perhaps you've heard this before. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Then Ephesians 5:25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Uh, It says this, it says, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you freed from such commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Feels great, right? Um, Feels like there's a little bit of conflict right there, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone that's in this room and the opportunity to consider what your word is leading us towards and how that is meaningful and relevant in our current situations today. Uh, Open our hearts to receive something that is fresh from you this morning. We want to be changed from the inside out. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So right off the bat, uh, I think the Bible is talking about a variety of different situations when it comes to relationships. And it's giving these ideas that, yeah, finding a wife is good. And then it gives a metaphor around the idea of Christ and the relationship with the church and comparing it to marriage. Therefore, I would think that's a good thing if we're comparing God's relationship with us. It's a, that, that's, a, that's a good idea. And then he's like, actually, just don't get married. It's, it's not a good idea. You're going to avoid, it's going to cause a lot of trouble. You should... Stay away from that. So there's a lot of different ideas being presented here. And even as, um, as I was like preparing and thinking this through, I felt the conflict of it as well. First and foremost, foundationally, we can say relationships matter. Romantic, friendship, familial, interpersonal, the relationship you have with yourself, they matter. These are important things to consider and to talk about. And, and in a lot of ways, we make a big deal about marriage. And, and I don't want to um, speak poorly of marriage because I just got married. And so that wouldn't go well for me with my wife. It's like a month in, he's already bashing marriage. Good job, Jason. <laughs> but what I, I don't want us to get caught up in the idea that marriage is the main thing. Uh, I think I am uniquely qualified to, to speak not on marriage, but on the idea of singleness. Because in the grand scheme of, of, of church, I was like ancient in, by the time I got married. Being 30 and growing up in a church environment is like, whoa, what were you doing for the past 10 years? Like, what was going on at your church? That's what people actually, actually said to me. Um, <laughs> And, and when we look at the Bible, we often focus on, on the beauty and the wonder and the mystery and the, and the wonderful uh, gifts that marriage and a relationship can bring into our lives. And, and this is not wrong and this is not untrue. And I think it is worth considering. But what is being presented in 1 Corinthians 7 where he's saying that there's going to be a lot of problems that you're going to face. Perhaps it's not something that you want to step into what is actually being presented is that we need to learn to actually have a sense of joy and contentment in whatever season we find ourselves in. Because each season is one in which God has called us into. Uh, over a hundred years ago, about 90% of the population in North America that was above the age of 18 was actually married. Singleness was rare. Today, about half of the population in North, North America is single. Single adults are as common as married adults today. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I, I don't think it's an, an either-or scenario. But there's a lot of conversations and books and, and strategies on how to have a great marriage and how to, how to be a good parent and navigate these kind of situations and then when we talk about singleness the narrative that I often hear presented is you need to make the most of the time that you have in your single years so that you are prepared to be married that you need to make most of the time that you are in currently it's a nice idea but there is a, a flawed mindset around that because it's as if you are saying that life truly begins only when I get married that I, I've only been preparing myself for marriage instead of 
living into and discovering all that God has in store for you right here, right now, in the season of life that you are in. Singleness is not an issue. <laughs> Marriage is not an issue. Where we find our identity along this journey of life is the real question. So our, our, the title of our sermon this morning is Relationship Status. So I think we find a lot of our identity, whether it is on Facebook literally or in other areas of life, in our relationship status. And, and we tell stories about ourselves and we create narratives about who we think we are and we perpetuate them in how we kind of live our life. On the very first date that I took um, Adriana out on, it was down to uh, Afghan Kitchen, South Surrey, hoping I saw none of you there. I was really hoping that was going to be the case. It, like, let's be honest. It is kind of uh, completely candid here. It's weird to think about like a lead pastor dating. <laughs> it's just not like a normal sequence of events. There's no handbook out there on how to do this properly. I've literally met one other pastor in my entire life. And I have searched. I was like, how do I do this? Uh, who was able to tell me like what his experience was. And he basically told me, yeah, I kept her away from the church and then just married her and brought her in afterwards. <laughs> it's like, it worked for me. I wouldn't suggest it. It created a lot of problems. But <laughs> I was like, thanks. That was great. Uh, anyways, I digress. I hoped I didn't see any of you there. And so we took Adriana out for dinner, Afghan kitchen. We were set up by uh, a pastor friend of ours and it was, it was great. We we showed up and sat down and ordered our food. Food came out quickly. It looked great, smelled great. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And I was going to pray for the food. And Adriana in that moment, she like reached across the table and like grasped at my hand. And I, it's okay. To, to, to be honest here, I am a hand talker. Clearly. <laughs> and so it perhaps made it seem like I was extending my hand when I said, let's pray. <laughs> and uh, she, she perhaps, she definitely did, reached across and grabbed my hand. And me, in as smooth as I was in that moment, pulled my hand away. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did pray. <laughs> and uh, I raised my head. She did not. <laughs> And the real issue in this is like, like no wonder I'm single. <laughs> like, this is on me in this moment. Like, why could I not have just like gone with the flow of it? No, Jason had to pull your hand away. And I've got this like narrative going on in my brain. I was like, well, I've got to apologize to Pastor Craig already because that's not going to go anywhere. And thankfully, she's far more gracious and she made it work in that moment and laughed it off. And now I get to tell the story from a platform, which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> but these narratives that we like start to perpetuate in that moment of like, no wonder I'm single. I, I, this is how I act. This is how I treat myself. This is how I treat other people. This is the way that life is going to be. This is my my narrative for, for life. And then when you grow up in like Christian circles or when you even just grow up in, in the church, there's this like idea that you just need to get married by the time you turn 19. Or like the, by the time you go, and then it feels like every, every Bible school is just 
by default called bridal school. Like, it's, it's just got this narrative that this is something that happens quickly, and therefore within churches, people are like wondering what's going on, and then culturally, everyone's like wondering, like, you're 25, what's going on? You have a job, you have a degree, I've got a great woman for you, you can meet her there, I'll, I'll show you, and it'll be a great fit, and so like pressure in, in, in the church, pressure in, in my culture, and then personal pressure that you place on yourself, because you see friends and family start to get married and move on with their life and you're like why am I not feeling this fulfillment and and we start to paint this narrative as if what we are currently in is not enough or better yet we start to tell the story to ourselves that you and I are not enough and there, there's language and, and culture around our relationship status that would lead us to conclude that somehow in my single state, I may not be enough. But here's the thing. The goal is not to be single or not to be single. Ultimately, the goal is to draw closer to Jesus. And this seems incredibly vague, if I'm being honest, to just simply say, yeah, it's, it's nice. Because, because we have cravings of our heart. It would be so ignorant of me to say, yeah, just don't worry about it. Be good with Jesus and you're going to be good the rest of your life. It, like, we have cravings of our heart. We have desires. We want to be in relationship. We want to give love and experience love. But when we try and do so out of our own accord, even when we step into a relationship where we believe love will be found and discovered, we will find ourselves wanting. The identity that you find before you step into a relationship will stay with you within the relationship and it will cause just as much of an issue. And in a lot of ways we see breaking down of relationships and we're, we're saying there's a relationship issue. But I would say that there's actually a singleness issue. That the manner in which we've experienced relationship and identity and the experience and distribution of love was tainted in how we saw the manner of us being single that we were not able to actually be who we are called to be within a relationship single married either is not better than the other the bible is so clear about this if you are married lo love it be in it be present in it love the other as you are called to love as the bible presents do so with all that you have. But if you are single, know that you are still loved beyond compare. Know that your calling is not less. Know that your purpose is not diminished. And know that if it is that calling for later on, that will be wonderful too. But do not lose the precious moment that you have now. Because you are enough not because of a relationship that you have here on earth, but because of the relationship we are gifted with our Heavenly Father. Has to start there. And, and in a lot of ways, I think that we, we wake up every morning and we're kind of like the, 
the, the evil queen in, in Snow White, and we're saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And we live a life of comparison, looking at the relationships and the babies being born and, and, and engagement photos and all these different things that are happening on social media that kind of invade our sense of identity and have us ask odd questions to the mirror mirrors on our own walls. And we ask, where is my spouse? Will I find happiness? Is this marriage the right one? Why do I have to be alone? And the questions that we ask that mirror speak to the narratives that we actually believe or are perpetuating about ourselves. And we don't often directly say as much, but even saying that our time of singleness to prepare for marriage is to somehow believe that marriage is the ultimate prize. But this is all part of being human. Can we agree on that? I, I, don't, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I don't think I'm saying something that you have not processed on your own or been aware of. This is how we experience life. These, this is part of, of being human. And often our, our craving for relationship actually comes from a desire for a sense of belonging. And, and this is something that we talk about often at City Collective. And we talked about in the early days of who we wanted to be as a church. This idea of belonging. In, in Daniel Coyle's Culture Code, he, what he does is he does a, uh, an investigation with multiple organizations over uh, a wide range of industry and demographics. And he, he's looking to consider what creates a healthy organization. And what he ends up uh, keying in on is this idea of belonging cues. And he noticed that within each of the organization, they present this idea of belonging cues, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. But a belonging cue answers three questions. It answers, am I connected here? Am I safe? And do I have a future? And these are questions that we're asking ourselves over and over and over again in every single space that we're a part of, and especially within the relationships that we partake in. We ask, am I safe here? Am I connected? And do I have a future? And and when we feel like those questions are being answered, we actually start to feel a sense of belonging in where we are called to be. Or when we are, where we are even in the present moments of our life. And this is, this is an anecdotal investigation that was taken by an individual just recently. But this is a narrative that is presented in the Bible from the beginning of time when Jesus is presenting to us and God is talking about the relationship that he desires to actually have with us. He says, am I, when we ask the question, am I safe, in the Bible it talks about security. In Ephesians 1.13, it says very specifically that I have sealed you according to my purpose and to my word. And, and the, the question of am I connected, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It talks about connection actually being part of our experience. In Ephesians 2.10, it talks about purpose that we have, that there's a, there's a workmanship that has been done from the very beginning, that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that there is purpose set before us. So in Christ, in God, from the very beginning, this craving of our heart for belonging, of answering these questions, am I safe, am I connected, and do I have a future, perhaps they are 
answered by a relationship that you're in. Perhaps they are answered by friends. Perhaps they are answered by the community that we have here at City Collective. I know we don't always get it right, and I have my heart and my desires that we are answering these questions. But I know without a doubt, based upon the promises of God, that those answers are always given to us when we find our identity and our relationship with God first. To find a sense of belonging in him at the very beginning will create a sense of identity that launches us forward to actually experience health in the relationships all around us in the rest of life. Where is your starting point? Is it from the, your ability to answer that question for others? That you are trying so hard to answer if they're safe, connected, if they have a future, even in relationship with you. But that is an exhausting way to live your life because we said it at the very beginning, right after worship, that we love him because he first loved us. You are not the source of love in this world. But you get to be the conduit of love when we get to tap into the truest of source. Sense of belonging is something that we all crave and we see it in the scriptures. If you really want to see it, just read the Psalms. This craving for, for relationship and for meaning and for purpose and belonging. And over and over the psalmist is writing that this is what he craves. And God is responding with a sense of security, a sense of connection, and a sense of purpose. And the fascinating aspect of belonging is that it is a central aspect of how we define who we are. If we sense belonging, it creates a definition of identity in our lives. Margaret Wheatley says this. She says, without identity, there would be no means to differentiate one thing from another. It would be a never-ending mess of primordial soup devoid of form and possibility. Sometimes it's as if the habits that we learned in like middle school or in high school of what is actually success and what is actually good in our lives is carried forward, forward with us for eternity in some ways. That we still make the decision that if they're in a relationship, they're somehow successful. If they look a certain way, they're somehow doing things right. If they're, and we, we make these assumptions based on these ongoing narratives over and over again. And our identity is never actually shifted from these unhealthy thought patterns that we've developed earlier on in our life. It, identity is the story that we choose to tell about ourselves. So even in that first interaction with Adriana where, where I make that, that story that I start to tell about myself as if, yeah, this is just the way it is. No wonder I'm single. No wonder this is just the way it works out. And we start to tell the story to ourselves. But the story actually reveals identity. And identity actually reveals foundation. And I've got a foundation issue more than an issue with just pulling my hand away. And, and your relationships, this I know, is important to, to you. It's, it's important to me. But know this, it is important to God. He wants you to know whom you belong. He wants 
you to find security in, in the season that you're in. He wants you to be connected in the season that you're in. He wants to give you a purpose in that time. And God wants you to know that with or without a relationship. Having a relationship isn't bad. Being married is a wonderful thing. But if the relationship is where you find your security, your connection, and your purpose, you will be found wanting. And if you don't know it now, then you will constantly find yourself spinning back to needing someone else to validate who God is already saying you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It, it's saying that there's something bigger than your relationship status. Because even in, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, it, it outlines really clearly like marriage is, is temporary. But a relationship with Christ and, and the church is, is timeless. And, and in some ways, singleness is uniquely portraying our eternal state with Christ as a member of his kingdom. God knows the desires of our heart. And I'm not trying to convince you today that, that God doesn't want you to get married or that you can't be in a loving relationship or that it's, it's all on you. But I have found in my own journey that there is a stigma to the idea of singleness that actually impacts the relationships that we have in our present seasons and in the future. Because we start to make unhealthy commitments of our heart. We start to make assumptions that the, we need to have spaces filled in a certain way in order to experience life as God intended it. God is never providing us with this narrative that there is another way to discover purpose and calling and, and wholeness other than simply being in relationship with him. Letting that be our foundation. Letting that be our first. We can find just as much security in our singleness as we do in our relationships. And when we find all of our security in our relationship status, it is both unhealthy and unsustainable. Perhaps you, you've been like me or perhaps you've done this yourself where you recognize the way that society actually perceives your relationship status in the moment. And in, in response to how they're treating it, you have actually worn it like a badge with a chip on your shoulder and says, try me. I'm comfortable. I'm not feeling anything. And, and it's this strong face. And we actually end up putting all of our security, again, in our relationship status, simply because we don't want to feel anything that is negative that society is trying to put on us. And, and, and that habit of making the relationship status, whatever it is that you have, your identity follows you into the future. And then it is just as much of a detriment to a marriage relationship later on. Your status isn't meant to be your security. Your savior is the only thing that provides that. 
And it's not security as in you are going to heaven, but secure in knowing that you are shown and given unconditional love and invited to discover that here and now and making that your foundation first and foremost. We're invited to participate in the beginning of God bringing the kingdom here to earth to to reconcile all things to himself. In Hebrews 10, verse 21 and 23, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That we're invited to hold fast to what God is calling us into and making that our first and our identity and not allowing our relationship status to take a place of prominence that it was never designed to take. I actually think that how we think about singleness can expose a lot of things. And, and to say your identity is in God doesn't, doesn't eliminate the practical identities that we discover in life. But this is the narrative he wants us to, to lean into. He wants us to say that you are a child of God who is also a teacher doing great things within your community. You are a child of God who's also a mom who's caring for a home in a meaningful and powerful way. That you are a child of God who's also a student pursuing a calling that you believe that God has placed upon your life. Those are important places to find purpose and identity, but they are not the first place that we go. If that is your first, it will always leave you wanting. Because if you have ever gone through an undergraduate degree, you know that the first choice is very rarely the last choice. And let me just assure you, nothing is wrong with that. But if your identity was in that first choice, it is going to be a harsh reality when you find out that it's not your last. So you are a child of God. Your identity is in Christ. What does that, what does that actually mean? How can we actually step into that? You're, you're given a title, and it's one thing to have a title. It's another thing to actually live into it. It's another thing to actually take ownership of it. For me to say that I'm a child of God sounds great, and it might look nice on a piece of paper, and we can put it on a, on a blanket, and we, we can sleep with it, and it'll be great, and we'll like remind ourselves in the morning, great, awesome, child of God, good job, pat on the back. Cool. But it's a completely different thing to actually live into it, to actually find identity in it. And this is the invitation that Paul gives to the Corinthians in his second letter. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, he, he, he says essentially this. He says, he says, this to you, new creation has dawned. The old age has passed away and the new age has come. That the entire world, the entire cosmos has been reconciled in Christ and you have been made ambassadors by the Spirit. And by that same Spirit, you have been given the ability to be faithful to God. And so Paul is saying this to you and to I. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. You see, our, our, morta- our morality matters and Paul is laying out 
for us our new identity and that we've been swept into God's cosmic plan for reconciliation and he's given us a new spirit and he's given us the ability under this new covenant to flee from sin and to choose righteousness and to choose to be faithful in a way that Christ was faithful to us. And Paul ends this, this portion, this section, he, he says to be in Christ is to be a new creation. And at the end of the portion he says by quoting Isaiah 49, in reference to the restoration of Israel in Isaiah, God says, In a favorable, favorable time I have listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. And now Paul, casting the new reality of life in Christ, says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so friends, I, I along with Paul say to you, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of your salvation. That God is acting in establishing you and I as new creation here in the present. That you perhaps feel as if you have gone through this process of unhealthy narratives over and over and you are stuck in this cycle. But when we are in Christ, we are invited to be a new creation creation, that we were invited to discover identity directly in the fact that we are loved and loved unconditionally and making that our foundation from which we live and experience life. If you want to be healthy in your relationships, if you want to be at the very best in your areas of singleness and in marriage and in families and in friendships, it has to start and it has to begin with the source of love that does not come from you but that comes from God. And when we can discover that our identity is in that place, even when life is difficult, even when we experience heartbreak, Paul is not saying that as a new creation, life becomes perfect. Paul is actually saying that as a new creation, suffering will come. There will be heartbreak. There will be difficulty. But when we are in Christ, our foundation allows us to weather the storm and step forward with purpose, using all things for good as only God can. This is God's story for us. Today is the day that you embody the reality of your true identity by embodying this love shown to us through Jesus in our world all around us. And this doesn't happen through sin management. It's not going to just happen by trying harder all on your own. And it most certainly does not mean by identifying who you are with your relationship status. It means that you're actually going to have to accept the reality of your new identity. And you have to live in the beauty of what that worldview, what that truth can actually lead you towards. When we have an opportunity to to discover our identity and who God calls us to be and, and the love that he shows us unconditionally. Perhaps you've, you've gone on, on a road trip before. Uh, I think shared experiences are incredibly powerful. And sometimes we take them for granted and we just say, if we all do this together, uh, we're going to actually become closer. We're going to get to know each other better. It's going to be a really wonderful thing. And yes, that is true. But what's actually taking place? It, when we, when we first started City Collective, it was, 
it was fascinating to see that when we would gather in our, our little communal home, not far from here, around a, around a dinner table, and there was a sense of purpose, there was a sense of calling, there was a sense of unity, that we were in this together, that we don't know how it's going to look like. We didn't know that it was going to be exactly like this. All we knew is that, that we were in this together. That there was an identity that we were pursuing, not in our own individual strengths, but because there was a higher calling and a higher purpose to see the kingdom of heaven brought to earth. To see reconciliation between us and God in families and, and in communities. To see beauty come to life in ways that we never thought possible. And with the shared, unified idea of what God had placed on the inside of us, it's amazing how that bonded us as friends and as family. Perhaps one of the most underrated bonding agents within healthy relationships is individual security in the person of Jesus Christ. Because then we get to share something that we're pursuing all on our own as well. That we get to run the race of life after the things that Jesus puts before us. With the love of Jesus pushing us and pursuing us and lifting us up. But we look over and we see the people that were in relationship alongside us. And then you're bonded even more. If you are trying to fix relationships, to make it so perfect that you don't know exactly how to put it together. Let me invite you. What if you just started by taking the priority for yourself of finding your identity in the simple fact that you are loved unconditionally. This is not about making sure that you get right so that you can be great in a relationship. This is about actually just discovering what God has for you right here and right now. Marriage is not the mission. The mission is to look more like Jesus. So if we can discover that for ourselves right here, right now, today. That is going to transform every single one of our lives, every single one of our relationships. And I have so much hope for tomorrow because I know that if I look more like Jesus, the world is going to be a better place. My families are going to discover something new for themselves. And along the way, I know that I'm going to discover who he is in a way that's going to transform my heart all over again. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that your love is unconditional and it is more than enough. That the narrative of, of society and of our struggles in, in, in church and in family and, and in relationships seems to lead us to believe that the season that we're in is because we are not more than enough. But that is not true because that is not your word. That is not who you are. And that is not why you came for us. You came so that we could experience life the fullest. Not 
after we get married, not after we have a relationship, but right here, right now where we're at. So across this room, for anyone who is experiencing a sense of deep loneliness and separation and they're, they're finding so much identity in simply the relationship status, whether it is single, whether it is engaged, whether it is married, whatever it is, whatever the relationship status is, I pray, Father, that you would set us free from that identity and you would lead us into an identity found directly within your love. Heal hearts this morning. We know that relationships can be heartbreaking and they can leave deep wounds. But you are the great healer. So let there be healing across this room and a return to discovering identity in your love. May your name be glorified in all that we do. Thank you that this is what it means to be human. And you love us through it all. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to close with a song together. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.